Hey, potential podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Potential. That's BetterHelp.com Potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Hey, potential podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co host, Taylor Sokol. Well, Taylor, uh, the week ended. How was your time in California? It was awesome. I uh, definitely a much needed vacation, and so glad that uh, we got to reunite again. Uh, <laughs> par for the course. Every trip we have uh, is always a fun time. Got to uh, see some other familiar faces, including a mutual friend of ours now, uh, Justin yes, Ruppel. Justin Ruppel who was our first. Course- First guest on the podcast. First guest on the podcast. Which will be, which you know, which is crazy to think that uh, that anniversary uh, will be right around the corner of that episode. Yeah. So if you've not listened to our interview with Justin Ruppel, that was episode six of season one. Go back and listen to it. It was a great time. But it was such a fun time to see you in California. And um, yeah, I think we always like to 
take advantage and uh, especially when we get to be in person. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that those who are listening, uh, if you've been following us on social media, I'm sure you saw some of our fun uh, photos and stuff we posted on there. But, um, you know, Taylor, here we are. We're at the end of May. You know, we've got about a week left. And then we're going to go right into June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, wow. So really, it's like we're already straight to the summer. And, you know, something I think it's always people's minds, especially as we're kind of coming out of a pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, is, oh, gosh, all that time I was sitting on a couch watching Netflix, you know, working on Zoom. Uh, and now it's like, oh, I actually am going to maybe go back to the pool or uh, the beach. And It's beach season. Yeah, we got to get that beach bod. <laughs> got that beach bod quite yet and that's just something i think it's always on people's minds is constant reminder of uh body image and uh body health and um yeah am i am i attractive do i look good do i look healthy well also when you were looking at you know what's in magazines or what's in film and what's what's the hottest trend right now and what um what's my favorite actor or actress look like i want to be like them so we're constantly looking to to emulate that, and I think that's that's hasn't changed. It's been kind of a constant thing, unfortunately, uh, and fortunately, I think more unfortunately uh, in the last several several years. Um, and you're right; it's it's kind of it, it's always weighing on my mind a little bit because I've always been thinking about that. But uh, I'm well, sure also think about uh, social media. You know, now oh, it's yeah. not it's not just you know. I think of when we were younger, it was, you know, yeah, magazines or TV and film, but now social media, you have all these apps and it's not just your friends and family, you, you know, look to all the celebrities are on these apps. And, you know, especially now with Instagram and TikTok, you're seeing all these people that are constantly posting things and it can get on a lot of people's minds uh, to a negative standpoint of uh, sometimes impossible goals or impossible, uh, you know, kind of realistic take on how people should look when really I think there has been a change towards accepting that being healthy is beautiful, you know, inner beauty, all that kind of stuff. There's been a huge positive movement towards, you know, if you're happy and you're healthy, that's all that matters. And we still got a long way to go, but we are hopefully on the right track. I would, I would hope. So we thought today we would talk about, body image in Hollywood, body image on social media, uh, you know, sex symbols, kind of stuff that we've been programmed to accept as uh, the beauty standards. It's been ingrained in our brains. Especially in the, you know, the, the westernized world, if you will. Uh, but we thought we need to have a guest with us today, especially a female guest. And we have one hell of a guest today. Who do we have on the podcast today, Taylor? I'm so excited she joined us. Yeah, my, me as well. Uh, today's guest, uh, she uh, needs no introduction, uh, but we're going to give her any, one anyway. Um, from you know HBO to her Amazon comedy special, The Floor is Lava. Today's guest is uh, not only a voice actress, but also an actress, comedian, uh, and a huge presence on social media. Very happy to have you here on today. Please welcome our guest today, Gina Brion. All right, and welcome to the show, Gina. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today for this episode. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on. And, you know, this is a, a fairly nerdy podcast where we talk a lot about movies, entertainment, and stuff. But there's there's other factors to 
entertainment media that sometimes aren't as touched on. And we thought it was important today to have another topic that I think, um, you know, a lot of people do think about and things that probably affect both men and women without them even realizing it from even a young age. And so it's very important for us to have a, a woman's perspective on that today. And so we're very thankful you're here on the podcast today. But we're talking today really about body image in Hollywood, uh, sex symbols, how mm-hmm. the media kind of gets us to be attracted to a certain point of view, uh, what yeah. sells and what they kind of push so much in your face uh, that it kind of gets to a point of uh, deep negativity for a lot of people. And now, especially with social media mm-hmm. being such a boom of that all yeah. the time. So. I guess I wanted to start off here with, you know, from from your youth, I guess you could say, into now being entertaining yourself. Uh, what were some early things that you kind of noticed growing up of what Hollywood was kind of representing in women's body type that maybe you were like very hyper aware of or focused on that you were like, I need to try to strive to be that? I mean, there were definitely things growing up that I remember feeling pressured to be Mm -hmm. just as a female in general, forget about a woman in entertainment, but just as a female in general, growing up, there's so much pressure to look perfect, talk perfect, sound perfect, be perfect. And none of us are perfect. So the ideal is sold to us. This, this dream via these like, short photo shoots and you'd see girls on magazines looking completely sculpted and perfect. And that's the idea of beauty because that's on every magazine, even though that's most likely Photoshopped, that girl probably kills herself to look like that and probably has her own body issues. And I mean, lucky for me, I think I caught on to that pretty quickly, but I still had my insecurities that were born out of not being the super tall, leggy, gorgeous, skinny, waifish woman I saw on magazines, even before J-Lo, even before some of the curvier women made it into Hollywood, and even those curvy women are still pretty tiny. So even the idea of curviness, I think, is a little warped when it comes to Hollywood. You know, there's like curvy, but curvy that they can accept. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And it's just interesting how the standard has continued to, and just look at the the history of, you know, going back to looking at some of these films and, you know, shows from the starting more of the fifties and sixties mm-hmm. and just seeing how it's kind of transformed, you know, when we see all those, those people like um, Ava Gardner and, you know, Betty Davis and all these it's just very interesting to see, you know, that was, it wasn't like, but there wasn't such a call at that time to, to fitness. I think, I think that's the thing that's what's changed of how we view um, Hollywood or how we um, view the, the shape, like how we need to be in shape. I think that like would later on change of how, you know, Oh, we need to be in fitness. We need to do these routines. You need to do the, the crash course diet. So I think that's really interesting to see like how that, is more so now than it was that it's kind of focused on, you know, changing the way health because I got to look like this person. I look like that. I mean, there's two sides of it. I think there's a lot of, would you say, I mean, definitely there has been so much more pressure on women 
to look a certain way than than men especially yeah. i think 100 percent. there's just a lot more pressure on women and even though things have somewhat gotten better um in terms of women are no longer it's taboo now to tell a woman she's too old for the industry or to this or to that because of the social climate we live in now um back when i was coming up that wasn't a thing you know <laughs> like you really you really didn't have that positive attitude it was like the older you get as a woman the more useless you were treated and that was upsetting on top of not looking perfect on top of am I skinny enough? Am I fit enough? Am I this enough? You know, um, I think probably college was where I felt it the most. And I think that's such a transitional period for a lot of people that I think um, that's probably why I felt it so much. I was already in the midst of such a huge transition from, you know, my high school days to my college days. And then all the pressure of, well, now you're, you know, a quote unquote grown up, like now you're out in the grown world. And Com competing with other women was a thing where it was like even even as much love as I had for s some of my other girlfriends it was constantly like well she's the pretty one in the group she's the this one in the group and I'm just the funny one and it caused a lot of insecurities it caused an addiction to diet pills and to practically starving myself when I was in college and then it wasn't until I had a really severe panic attack that I realized just how badly I had been treating myself because of the pressure I was feeling. Wow. Mm -hmm. Jeez. Never saw that from any of my male friends. Never. Yeah, I would say, well, thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's very powerful right there. It just shows the, the lengths that I think, you know, just the, just the idea that you're looked at and you're judged on look alone before anything of getting to know someone uh, their personality, their talent, uh, you know, their traits. And that's just something that we still see to this day is Unfortunately, a, yeah. really, you know, uh, the famous phrase, don't judge a book by its cover. And yet we do it all the time. Um, even not including not even entertainment, you know, you're out on the street. Uh, you know, the thing that's such a big problem about today is, you know, apart from, uh, your, your physicality, you know, what shape you're in, we just see people and we automatically, Oh, the way they're dressed, uh, they don't look like they're, you know, the type I want to be with and then judged and it can really affect the mind. And that's another thing that I think a big thing that the, the, the media, especially the news media and especially social media uh, divides a lot of people on that system. Well, even, even like, you know, dating apps, I mean, you, you, it's, it's a very, it's a very shallow way to meet people because you just see a photo. No, no, yes. And it's, it's all about, and it's not even just about people dressed, just like you're talking about how um, <laughs> you see these magazines, you know, there's airbrush and there's stuff. Again, that's not all like going to be perfect because they're in the perfection is in the imperfections. So you see, you see someone like on an app, you know, because their filter uh, and I go back to some of your comedy, uh, which is really great. Um, there's this, the whole thing you talk about where you're saying like, you know, that guys and girls now both know about high angles and filters. So it's like, you, you're, you're not showing your, your true self, which is a shame, but then we're all conditioned to, you know, continue to prejudge and like, Oh, I'm not gonna like this person because of the photo they took or something. And that's, you should look at the text. You should look at the substance. And that's why I never liked 
dating apps for that reason where it was like you just make a snap judgment about somebody like you're literally just people wouldn't even read the profiles they just look at the picture Mm -hmm. and decide from the picture alone am i attracted to this person is this person attractive to me and then just without getting to know a person's personality without getting to know somebody's story they just nope sorry you're not good enough And like, in a way it taps into, I believe on a deeper psychological level, our need for control and power. Mm. I've made the decision that you were not good enough. So now I don't have to worry about getting hurt. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so that touches some deep themes here. I I like this and you're absolutely right. And, you know, going to talk about like casting and now you, um, you have been, actually had the awesome opportunity you've been doing a lot of um not just comedy but you've been doing film film roles yeah. and i think it's very interesting to see how uh, people's weight or how they look has been used as this casting device in hollywood uh, for for years where you were typecast automatically as a certain like you know and this is guys and girls but you know um you think about um you know comedians or male comedians like like you know chris farley it's like oh he's going to be the the funny you know fat guy you know he's not going to be the the handsome leading male or you know anything and then that even goes through saying about women in in different ages and men they're going to be cast and oh you're going to be cast as the little old lady you know and look at people like meryl streep i mean she's she's gonna do like it's set in the standard but unfortunately that that's very few cases until now more recently no, that's absolutely true. And it's like, as you're cast, as you get older, you're cast as like almost the forgotten character or like you're always going to play the mom or you're going to be the old lady that's grossly seduces a young guy. Like yeah. that one we've seen in movies forever. Like there's scenes like that in even movies that I grew up with, movies from the 80s and 90s, like the older woman that is just like ew you had sex with her like just that idea that as a woman matures she can't even be a sexual being it's like but guys guys they talk about guys having kids in their 60s 70s 80s fathering children and still being considered virile and still be considered a silver fox and you just don't hear that about women like you don't hear enough people talking about how amazing Helen Mirren looks and how amazing of an actress she is. Do they you want know? to talk about like Jack Nicholson? Look at him. Yeah. Getting all these, and he's, you know, going in his eighties and I'm like, okay. And he's with these 20 year old women and stuff. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, it's really double standard. It's, it's a messed up thing. It's upsetting and it's annoying. And I think the only way to combat it is for enough women to speak up and enough women to do their own projects and to prove to these people. Like, that's why as much people complain about remakes that are done with fully female casts, like as upset as everybody was about the Ghostbusters and, oh, it's all female. Yeah, well, this is the only way that a lot of women can get work Mm -hmm. is by being cast in things that are specifically looking for females to cast so yeah we need we need these remakes we need women women driven projects in order for our voices to kind of be out there and be heard as creators as performers but when the world like kind of rolls its eyes at it or pokes fun at it it's kind of like this is what we're fighting yeah and it's it's not going anyway anytime soon but we need these big bold statements we need more and we've seen this great with these 
female directors. There's getting more. And, and you know, Chris and I, we uh, did an episode and we're talking about is talking about the Oscars, and the Gold Globe. It's nice to see continual more representation of women behind the camera, behind the lens, behind the director's chair. And that's what we need. And I think to have any change, doesn't matter where it is, for this unequal representation, you need to have those drastic, bold, you know, moves to make something make something stick. You're absolutely right. Yeah, we need the ball busters right up front, kind of telling everybody, kind of telling everybody off. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel there has been a kind of, you know, in the similar vein of uh, the last few years with the the Me Too movement, kind of having stories come out more about the, you know, predatory types in Hollywood. Do you feel that also will kind of enlighten and help change some of the ideas of of women in the media, how women can you know, get into those positions of power that they should have, uh, getting to actually tell more stories? Do you feel like this has helped in that? Or do you still feel that even though that is an important movement to kind of, you know, uh, tell on the people that need to be told on, um, does it still not really have had a major effect on, you know, body image in Hollywood? Because still to this day, we're still seeing a lot of the same tropes that we've seen from, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Well, I think that the, what the Me Too issue, what the Me Too, I don't even say issue, I don't know why I use that word, what the Me Too movement, what that is doing is completely different from the body image issue. I think that what that does is it's an attempt to let women know or feel safe in the fact that they can speak up about the harassment that they've been through, that they can hold people accountable for using their positions of power to seduce women, to make them feel obligated to do certain things or certain scenes. If you've heard Selma Hayek's story about having to do when she did Frida Kahlo and they basically, she had to promise to do a nude scene or they weren't gonna make the movie. And when you hear stories like that, you know, the Me Too movement is incredibly essential. So the treatment of women can change. The image of women that needs to change or the image of sex and beauty that Hollywood puts out hasn't changed much. They've added a few categories and I think they've added them out of courtesy. I think they've added, you know, a plus size. Plus size women can be sexy too. Y'all, well, thank you for okaying that, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, it's like women are women. It's Why does it have yeah. to be plus whatever? Yeah. yeah. And it's just adding these other categories that really only further divide us, but are still putting labels. Like you're, you're sexy for a girl of that size. You're attractive for a woman of that age. And so the image itself, I think what the Me Too movement could cause is a domino effect of fear amongst people who have been pushing this archaic way of thinking of women in the industry. So I think it will strike fear in these people that are, that now have to change their way of handling everything from storytelling to casting. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you go back to, to like a Bronx tale, is it better to be feared or loved? Well, if this movement moves people, then I, I don't care if it's feared or loved, as long as it moves people in the right direction and moves the industry in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah. Now, kind of going off of that, um, you know, look at today, uh, especially like the fashion world, I feel like we've been having more plus size models 
And also, I just noticed like nowadays, more than ever, uh, going into stores, like even just like going into Target, I see now a lot more of the model posts that are all around the clothing, especially in the women's area. It's a lot more women of all sizes and not mm -hmm. just the same kind of sticks that we've seen for a long time. I feel like that has been something that has definitely evolved and changed in the last probably five years, I would say. I would, I would never give any industry so much credit as to assume that it's evolved, mm -hmm. but <laughs> I will give them the credit that they capitalized on a movement or an ideal. Mm -hmm. What they did was they saw what Dove did. Essentially, Dove took the first heavy step in having all of their real, real women, real bodies kind of ads. And then other companies who were just as smart as the people at Dove decided, well, we need to also show real people, real women look in their, in their real environments so that people that are shopping at Target can relate to that. I can't relate to a, you know, a six foot one model or a 5'11 statuesque model wearing a sundress. I don't have the time. <laughs> I don't have sundress time. I'm the woman that goes in there, <laughs> grabs yoga pants and a pair of sneakers. And I like to see someone who at least somewhat resembles me in the ad. So I don't feel like it's hard enough going shopping for clothing and stuff like that for women, because it's so, it can be so depressing going to a place. And all you see are these like statuesque models when you're a five foot two Puerto Rican girl. And you're just like, I can't see myself in any of these clothing. Like, well, why am I here? I should, I can't buy this stuff. It's not going to fit me like that. And so I think they're smart enough to know that if you're selling to the average American, if you're selling to the average person, you should have ads that will attract their attention and not make them feel bad about who they are, or how they look. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes, I love yeah, the body, sense, the yeah. body positive movement has been great. And, you know, really was started by plus size women for plus size women, but became an entirely new thing as, you know, movements tend to evolve. And I think with the power of artists like Lizzo coming out and being very body positive and preaching body positivity to everyone, you know, to a lot of the plus size models, Ashley Graham included, who all they do is post stuff about body positivity, body love, and really showing yourself some self-love. I think that movement coupled with the Me Too movement has a lot of people shaking in their boots and forcing them to change their marketing campaigns and change the way they think about casting projects. I mean, it's like, you know, that, that old thing that, you know, the sex sells. I'm like, well, you know, I think health sells, I think. And I, I think that's what we need to focus on. It's not about, and I think, I don't, what do you guys what do you guys think about this that there's been health fads and everything but i think maybe now i'm not sure but i would say that healthy is trying to become the new standard for beauty it's not about what you look like but are you healthy you know because everyone's body type's different and you you hit the nail on the head you know really really again i can i can't imagine what it's like i'm trying to you know to to be i just know for for my i've never was in like super great shape. <laughs> so, but I always remember trying on clothes and I'm just like, oh, I just don't. So my uh, push for this year, everyone does that whole, oh, we're going to, what's your goals this year? My goal is going forward is just be healthier. It's not about fitting in the jeans. It's like, do I have enough energy to, you know, face the day? So uh, would you guys say that healthy is becoming the new, the new sexy, the new beauty? Um, 
I mean, I would, I would say that there's a spotlight on health in many, t- in many ways now because of, I'm, and I'm going to say it, the millennials, because millennials and Generation Z are big on all types of health, um, physical health, mental health, spiritual health. So because that's all over our social media, because that's all over the world currently, um, it's causing waves, it's making waves. And that's causing the industry to be like, well, but social media is so much power that we do not realize that we have. Way too too much, we don't. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just like, you guys realize that because of all of these different moves that are being made by generations that are tired of like archaic patriarchal ways of thinking of doing things and they're finally speaking up and it's it's a beautiful thing but it's it's making a difference it's putting a dent in the industry and it's changing the course of a lot of things because people are starting to feel like well if we want the people to watch our stuff to consume our stuff to buy our stuff then we have to follow suit with what they're looking for mm-hmm we have to look at what the people are looking for, what they're, what they're watching, what they're buying, what they're consuming, and then adjust. And that's what smart business people do. And so I think the industry, I mean, entertainment is always trying to be a few steps ahead of the game. So they're looking at it like, okay, well, we need more inclusion. We need more diversity, more now than ever. And so they're taking the necessary steps to make sure that that happens. A lot more work needs to be done, but you see a lot more people making an effort to diversify writers' rooms and you know, diversify casts. And so that's, that's all we can ask for now, even if we're getting baby steps, you know, baby steps are still steps in the right direction. Yeah, I also feel that because of, yeah, the millennial Gen Z kind of uh, movement, if you will, on social media, we're also kind of seeing a huge push to stop using like old terms that are very negative um, when describing people, whether it be, you know, from a physicality sense, a religious sense, a sexuality, whatever it might be. There's a, I, I constantly see in social media, a push for things to stop using these old terms that really are, you know, they're, they're bigoted in the way they're used. They're, they're used to, to hurt people and, I feel like that is something that we are seeing now put into TV shows nowadays and movies. And we're seeing a lot more young writers, uh, writers of color, writers of all genders, right? You know, we're seeing more of that. And so it is, it is, you know, stirring in from exactly as you're saying, what they're seeing on social media, what the people are asking for, they're trying to implement that into shows. And we're having all these new shows nowadays that probably were not even thought of as possible you know, 10 years ago. Absolutely. So even commercials as well. Yeah. Yeah. Even commercials. And, you know, it's like, I do feel that there is more like, like, I agree with you, a spotlight on health. Uh, We're nowhere near, you know, the end goal uh, as a race of, of humans, but it's, we're seeing more of that, you know, if you are happy with yourself and you're in a good place, then we're happy for you. We're seeing more people kind of accept that more than, you know, you could do this and this instead to get to that perfect body or get to that. It's like, if you're mentally happy or physically happy, 
you know, we're happy for it. And I, and I have to just jump in for one second to say, I think COVID has changed, helped kind of change that a little bit too. The fact that also the call to mental health, and this is just cor- correlates totally because again, as Gina, you were saying, and I've been talking about that, um, you know, when you've seen for years, you see the image of this is what, this is what beauty looks like. This is what sexy looks like. I'm doing air quotes. Nobody can see me because it's a podcast, but um, <laughs> you see all that. So it does warp your brain and you are conditioned, whether you're a guy or girl and you see like all these sex symbols for men and women and like, oh, I want to have hardcore abs or something like that. But, you know, because of COVID, now we've been, our mental health has changed a lot because we've been isolated and because we've been glued to the TV and the social media far more naturally than we would have far more unnaturally, I guess you'd say. So I think that's kind of changed how like we, I think people realize I do need to focus on my health and my mental health even more. So I need to change the way I'm thinking. Yeah. 100%. I think while COVID put us in a place of extreme isolation, all of us were home with nothing but our thoughts and very little distractions, which can go good or bad Mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you're at mentally. But I think because the focus became all of a sudden just on an individual, like it's like all I had to focus on was me and my needs. All I had to focus on was me and changing my life and growing. And I think that time spent, you know, with yourself can be a wonderfully eye-opening and difficult experience. But coming out of it, I feel like so many people have grown in leaps and bounds because they've realized the things that they want to fix in their life, be that toxic relationships, toxic behavior, um, even toxic language, even myself realizing some of the things that I needed to change that were bad habits all came from a lot of time spent indoors by myself or with my husband, with my son with nothing but thoughts. And that, that was like, only thing to entertain me. And so I think for a lot of us, COVID was like a huge factor in implementing some major changes. Yeah, it was it was a huge time to reflect. And then of course, it was greatly increased, I would say, with seeing these, these, you know, horrific acts that happen around our country, especially, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement really increased even more because we were seeing even though we were all stuck in our homes and stuff we were still seeing death and just despair and it really kind of made you take a second and be like well, what was I thinking beforehand that was important that now you know knowing that this was this disease that you know you can't see it we don't know where it is uh could affect a loved one at any given moment you know mm-hmm. and so yeah. there was a lot of like just and we've never I think for most of us I've never had a, a thing this big, like just put a halt in all our lives. And as a connected, not only a nation, but as a world, really just halting and being like, whoa. Yeah, it was not the, just the, not know. just the US, the whole the whole uh, the whole world. So we are all, you know, we, you know, same storm, different boats. I guess you said, Gina, mm-hmm. again, not not everyone was fortunate for you to be with your your husband and your son to have that. And some people were even more isolated than others. So and again it's 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 crazy to think that we were unified but would also divide on many things because again we're facing this and different we have different resources at our disposal yeah 100 percent. there were people that just fell apart 
just fell apart because they were in such solitude. And, you know, hopefully all those people can begin rebuilding and setting up their building blocks mentally and taking care of themselves health-wise. Because I think what I felt like the pandemic offered me was a chance for reflection and for growth. Because I was like, look, shows are canceled. I ain't going nowhere. So I might as well learn how I cope with this, sit some, have some time with myself. COVID changed the game for us in so many ways. And it really made us all adjust our priorities, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Gina, I did want to go into, you know, I think, although in, in maybe seeing how we're, we're evolving into trying not to use certain terms or to talk about certain subjects in everyday kind of culture, a place where it is often, you know, we're kind of used to hearing people talk about things that maybe we don't want to talk about, but as an audience we connect to is, of course, through stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy has always been a great tool to, you know, really talk about some really important matters. And, you know, certain comedians do like to kind of go across that line where it gets a little too more or sometimes a little less. But as a an industry that I think I've watched, you know, me and Taylor are both huge fans of stand-up comedy. Thinking of when we were kids, there really wasn't that many female comics. And nowadays, there's been, you know, a huge boom in female comics. A lot of very popular ones that are like been, you know, getting their own TV shows or having, you know, writers rooms, all this kind of stuff. Thinking of how you get to use stand-up comedy as a tool, as a weapon, as a, a thing to share your, you know, your speech, your stories. Um, how has that been something that you've really used to talk about maybe body image or things in the media where you get to kind of do your own spin on how you feel and how you get to kind of use comedy as a tool to use for laughter to kind of heal some of that. Cause I think laughter is something that as a, as a human race, we all look towards as, as something that we love to do and we need it and it makes us feel good. We need it. And it's a healing tool. It really is, you know, so healing. And at least, you know, for me, I've always viewed comedy as exactly what I needed in times of extreme trauma um, because that's how I always coped with hurt and pain was through comedy and so I think for comics now um, I think it's important that we talk about what happened in this past year I think it's important that we write material about how we felt going through it because we're, we have a unique once in a lifetime position right now where we all went through something major together. Yeah, future generations aren't really going to be able to relate to this. Mm -hmm. So it's like the generations that went through it, we have this opportunity to really talk it out on stage. You know, now that we're, and it's, it's especially important, I think, in these first couple of months where we're adjusting to whatever that new normal is because we, we need to be able to go over what happened, learn our collective lessons from what happened, and then be better because of it. Come out of it on top. And in order to do that, you need to give the people like stand-up comedians who have always been the social commentators, the modern day philosophers, if you will, uh, you need to give us space to discuss and help you process 
as we are processing too, just on a human to human level. Our, our way of coping, our way of processing is through humor, which I think is such a good way to not change people. I won't say change people's perspective, maybe help them just heal a little bit from whatever trauma they experienced during this pandemic and also help them forget for a little bit, you know, how tragic everything was and be able to step back and kind of laugh about the situation. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, and not, yeah, notwithstanding the pandemic, but it's, it's really great. And, and see, in seeing your comedy, I think, and, and other comedians where you, you kind of, you share your insecurities and your, you know, your fears, you say in a, in a, in a fun way that, you know, we laugh at, laugh with, but, you know, people are all are kind of, you don't know what's going on. And the audience is full of people who have, there are vastly different, different thoughts. And I know, you know, how is that, how's that feeling though, when you kind of lay it all out there? Um, you know, was, is that, has been, has it been tough for you? Was, was that, was that something you went into? Like, I want to talk about, um, you know, the, maybe the struggles I, I feel or, you know, and I, I, I really, I, I love, I'm trying to think of some of the, I, I, I've seen your special on Amazon, um, a couple of times and I was there, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just, I really liked to how you have done that. I mean, that, is that kind of a struggle, um, for starting out or is that still a struggle when you kind of lay it out there and, you know, reveal some of those more intimate things? I think the struggle comes in your willingness to be vulnerable because, it is such a vulnerable thing to talk about, to be like, I'm going to talk about the things that make me the most insecure on this stage right now. And then I'm going to hear people laugh at it. <laughs> the thing that makes me the most insecure. And in a way you're taking the power back from that stronghold that it may have on you mentally. Um, I remember talking to, there are these, the two women that do I mom so hard, which um, they're hilarious women. And they have a scene at the end of their special, which is on Amazon um, where they come out in Spanx and they discuss what it's like to be wearing Spanx and why they're wearing Spanx. And I remember them telling me, um, one of the girls, uh, she told me I was so scared to go out there in my Spanx that I almost pulled out of it last minute and didn't want to do it because she was so insecure and so self-conscious. And I, I felt that because I was like, I don't know if I could do what you just did. I can make jokes about, you know, what it was like growing up and feeling that way and being chubby and, and feeling every minute of those insecurities, but to fully put it out there on stage like that, I don't think I'm there yet, but it is very satisfying to see people connect to what I'm saying when I'm talking about something that is a huge insecurity to see. So there's nothing better than to, to connect with somebody, to have that eye contact with them when they're shaking their head. Yes. Like you I totally get what you're saying. I feel what you're saying and I've been there. And then you just feel so connected in that moment and that there's nothing better than that. And that's why I think it, it is important to talk about what makes us insecure because you never know who you're affecting in the audience. But you're, you're right. Sometimes it's not it's not about the laughter or the clapping, but you do see that, you know, someone's looking at their friend like, oh, my God, that's yeah. you or that's me. And like, I, I totally get it. And and I think that's great with with comedy. There's it's it's not so much um, a medium just for laughter, but it, it is telling a message. Like Chris said, you know, it's your platform to, you know, to embrace yourself 
and hopefully like maybe have people forget your troubles or maybe just learn something again as long as they're having a good time and they appreciate what you're doing is the main thing but that that's beautiful i love that well i feel like i feel like too like i feel more male comics like especially i think of like when i was younger uh you know some like like for example like lewis black i feel like more male comics will go more and towards like politics or business in their comedy they're not gonna go so much into uh size and physicality but there are some that do but women especially the female comics nowadays that I've, I've watched you know specials and listened to albums and just you know been loving i feel like there has been more of a chance for them to talk about uh bodies sex kind of the standards uh and then of course really digging into you know kind of the humorous side of you know how idiot men are you know how how stupid men are when it comes to dating and other things like that and i feel like it's we we see some of that in movies and television especially like sitcoms uh we see a lot of that and then you know the rom-com movie genre but i feel like it's it's nice to see when there's that platform for someone to kind of really lay it out there of, of what they're experiencing on a daily and getting more perspectives and i feel like if people you know if you're only watching one style of comedy, you're missing out on so much yeah. uh, that's being spilled out in a, in a fun way to kind of, again, make you laugh, make you connect with that person. So I have been kind of, uh, you know, loving seeing how more and more we're getting more voices in comedy nowadays than definitely we were, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. Well, I think it's a better platform. I think comedy than in, I think then in terms of than a sitcom or something, I think you're going to get more out of it because Again, with Gina, you, you just said it right there that you connect with people because it's it's live. And I think that's the big thing. It's not like, you know, it's not a laugh track. It's not like, you know, an audience, they're not playing. You're playing to the audience you're, or playing with the audience. You're not like you're playing to. You're, you're, you're being a part. You're an audience member out there. Even though you're on stage, you're just, just you're part of the crowd. You're like, I'm you. I'm you. I see a little bit of me of you. Especially when I see you nod your head, are you? Uh, I see you. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think that's yeah. You're right. You hit it right on the nose. It's there's something so incredibly personal, even when you're performing in a giant theater, like about making someone laugh through your own stories. There's something so personal there, and as much as I've loved doing acting and doing stuff like that, there's nothing that compares to that connection. You know, when you just, when you hear somebody laugh and they laugh so hard that there's like a sigh after, or it's like a, <gasps> thank God she said that. Like, yeah. Yes. There's that moment of like relief that comes over that person of like, Oh, I just let go of so much energy that I was holding on to. And I was able to just laugh it off because of what she said of the connection she made. And that is just the most rewarding thing I think to any comedian. Well, it takes you places that no other uh, form of comedy or entertainment can really take you because you are just, it's just an intimate space. And because, you know, the entertainer can see you and it's just something. And that's, that's why I think there's an importance of comedy and just live entertainment because there's just that, that connecting. And um, again, we talk about COVID we're talking about our image and what it's, it's all, it all fits because we need to have that connection with yeah. people because we are all fighting these struggles together, whether it's a mental health or a physical health. Yeah. 100%. Hey, Chris. 
Do you ever feel you want to change your lifestyle? Not really. I'm fine with my current wardrobe, thanks, though. I'm not talking about changing your brand names or joining a cult. I'm talking about Ace Lifestyle. <sighs> What's that? Change our hairstyles, help animals out, and say, Alrighty then. No, not Ace Ventura. I'm talking about Ace Lifestyle. It stands for Accountability, Consistency, and Enjoyment. It is the best way to feel better, think better, and enjoy your life. If you want to better your health goals, then this is the way. Okay, Mando. What is this, some sort of new fad diet? No way. Not at all. No quick fixes, no tricks, and it's made for whatever you want to get out of the program. Just like the title says, it's a lifestyle. It's your chance to take charge of your health. Interesting. Please go on. It is designed for whatever you want. Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to gain more muscle? Or do you just want to feel better, mentally and physically? That is what Ace Lifestyle is all about. Well, that seems like a lot to take on myself. You are not alone. When you sign up for this program, you get dedicated professionals who are just as passionate to help you reach your goals. And you're not alone because you're joined by a group of other like-minded individuals who have their own health goals in mind every month. How would one find out more? You can find out more and get started by reaching out through their Instagram at the Ace Lifestyle Co. That's at the Ace Lifestyle CO. Wow. You seem to know a lot about this, Taylor. Well, Chris, I'm not just an expert of Ace Lifestyle. I'm also a member. You certainly look slimmer, more annoyingly energetic than usual. Well, thank you, Chris. It's all thanks to Ace Lifestyle. It's now time for you to take back your health. So go for it and change your life for the better. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. What are you doing? What? Are you eating during this podcast? Yes, yeah, so? Is there a problem with that? So? Good God, man. Your munching is distracting. Hey, I can't help it. It's this new seasoning I got. It's so delicious. Seasoning, you say? Yeah, from the Steel City Salt Company. Did you make that up? No way. It's the store to go for all your seasoned, salted, and spice needs. Since 2011, it's been bringing a new era of exciting flavor to the city of Pittsburgh and the surrounding regions. From their popular flavors like garlic herb, dill pickle sea salt, and black and gold. Sounds great! But I don't live in Pittsburgh. That's not a problem. They actually ship nation and worldwide. Wow, that's awesome. So go to their website at steelcitysalt.com and order now. Free shipping on orders $39 or more. And let's spice up your life. And so, and, you know, this part of the podcast, you know, we always have, when we have guests on, we like to do a little guest uh, questionnaire where we do like kind of a rapid fire. Now, you have no idea these questions right. are going to happen. So we're just going to okay. just uh, look. First answer that comes to your head, you go through, and these are just 10 questions, oh uh, but we're going to have some fun, so I know. <laughs> I'm going to fail. Right. No, don't worry. It's not pass-fail. It's uh, boring or not boring. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so oh, great. <laughs> You're fine now. All right, so here you go. Question number one, what would you say is your favorite movie? Oh, Sister Act, without, without a doubt. Didn't even have to think about it. Sister Act. Boom. I love it. Number two, what is your favorite TV show or TV series? Oh, TV show. Um, can it be animated? 
Yeah, it could be any. It could be anything. Animated be Family new. Guy. Family Guy. All right. One hundred percent. Hey, what you going there, Gina? Here, why? Watch Family Guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my Peter. It wasn't good. Uh, number three. What would you say is? Do you have a favorite video game or video game series? Oh uh, no. I don't really do video games because I suck at them. So every, <laughs> anybody that's asked me to play a video game knows how, how bad I am at them. And they always get frustrated. I don't care how patient you are. I go, you're going to get mad at me. If you okay. know how to play video games, you're going to get mad at me. Well, how about this? What was the one game that people always wanted you to play that you, you continually were bad at? When Call of Duty first came out, uh, I, I was dating. Uh, the guy I was dating at the time was obsessed with it and wanted me to play all the time. And I was like, I don't. I'd be standing in the corner shooting up in the air. Like I can't do anything in a video <laughs> like, game. Come take me out, please. Like, yeah. I'm going to be out. Please, oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, what is your favorite genre style of music or favorite artist? Mariah Carey is my favorite artist of all time. I love her to pieces. I don't care how crazy everybody thinks she is. Um, I love her to pieces. Favorite. That's my, that has to be my favorite like music artist of all time. I think uh, I think you have to be crazy to be amazing. You know, we're all, all, all the most talented people are a little How nuts. How could she possibly be normal? She's been famous since she was like 19. Like, come on, guys. There's yeah. no, she's not had a normal life in forever. Like, she yeah. can't go to the grocery store like the rest of us. Of course, she's going to be a little weird. Um, What is your, number five, what is the favorite place you traveled to? What's your favorite destination that you've been London. to? London. London? All right. 100%. Still on my love list. Love the UK. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Uh, number six, what inspires you or what continues to inspire you or what has inspired you to be where you are today? Comedy continues to inspire me. Comedy and the, and the people I'm fortunate enough to work with and the wonderful comedians that I get to be around, that I get to call my work buddies. Those, uh, those moments when we're cooking in the kitchen, when we're in the clubs, when we're, you know, performing like there's nothing more alluring. There's nothing more gratifying. There's nothing more inspiring than the hard work it takes to be a good comedian. Number seven, what is the best advice you've ever received? I'm going to go life-wise with this one okay. and not career-wise. Life-wise, the um, best, sorry, I'm burping coffee. That's so sexy. Um, <laughs> I literally had nothing in my stomach until like about an hour ago. And so, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> Best piece of advice, life advice I ever got was from Adam Ferrara. If you don't know who he is, please look him up because he is amazing as a human being, as an actor, and as a comedian. And we were, it was back when I was on, on Kevin Can Wait um, with Kevin James. We would drive into the studio together and he's such a nice guy. And we were talking in the car once and we had this really in-depth discussion about happiness and how people don't trust happiness because it's such a a light airy feeling that you don't think it has any permanence you don't think it has any staying power which is why most people lean towards the negative or lean towards being depressed or in a depressive state because there's a heaviness to sadness to depression to upset that keeps you almost keeps you like sunk down and it's a, it's a weight it's an emotional weight yes mm -hmm. it's an emotional weight that you don't feel with happiness so instead of and that's probably the reason why most of us will lean towards the negative more so than the positive because of the fact that that feels more real because it has more weight so it was that discussion that made me realize 
I needed to think, act, and speak more positivity and more, um, and just more positively in my life in order to change that mentality. I love that. Number eight, uh, this is kind of a part-time nerd podcast, but uh, what is your, what would you say your nerd level is on a scale of one to 10? One being not so much and 10 being super nerd. You go to the Comic-Con conventions. <laughs> okay. Um, it depends on the subject matter. Sure. When it comes to comedy, I will probably say about a 10. I'm a comedy nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to anything else, I mean, when it comes to comedy or certain books, I can be a pretty big, I'm a book nerd. I love to read. I'm currently reading like three different books. Like I love books. So I would probably say on a book scale, but I'm, I'm not like, not super nerdy with my books, but I will say I'll probably give myself about a six or a seven book wise, comedy wise, a 10. Pretty modest. I like that. Average out, it becomes an 8.5. Um, <laughs> and uh, number nine, what is your guilty pleasure? What is the guilty pleasure of yours? Mm. Okay, again, I got to ask, uh, like, what do you mean? Like, food wise? Could be anything. Like, if, if the first thing you think to you, it could be anything. My guiltiest pleasure mm-hmm. is karaoke. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love karaoke so much that I will go to karaoke places that have private rooms and get a private room by myself to do karaoke by myself to blow off steam. <laughs> I love that. Well, one day, one day, one day, maybe we'll, we'll be at a karaoke bar together when, yes. <laughs> when yes. things are back to normal. I will, I will join you. And last but not least, number 10, we, as you know, you know, uh, my, Chris, Chris and I, we do impressions. We love, you know, voices. So we always like to have our guests do uh, their best impression. So number 10, give us your best impression. It could be whatever. It could be sound, noise. What is your best impression? I guess you could say I do a pretty mean chipmunk impersonation. No. Okay. That said, I, I used to do it with gospel music, and I haven't done it in a while. So let me try. I used to do, like, the chipmunk singing gospel music. Okay. But it was like all all these gospel songs. Like you really got to be a gospel music head to know. Like I used to do, um, uh, "Never Would Have Made It" was one of the songs we sing in line, and it was "Never Would Have Made It," "Never Could Have Made It," and it just I used to always do that, and I would do it to practice songs, and I would do it just because it cracked me up. And so yeah, that was one of the sing like a chipmunk. That's great. And that's always, that's always the great thing about impressions. We, we do them to uh, make ourselves laugh. So awesome. Well, uh, Gina, before you go, first of all, it's great to have you on. I want to, we always want to ask the guest, is there, um, you know, anything that you're going to be, you're working on right now or you want to promote? Uh, and also where can our listeners uh, follow you on social oh, media? Awesome. Uh, definitely go check out my uh, latest hour special on Amazon called the floor is lava. You guys can check that out. Also, my first ever special, Pacifically Speaking, is also on Amazon. You can check out. And I have some work on HBO or HBO Max. Just type my name in there. Something will pop up. Um, and yeah, I have some things coming down the line that I would love to let everybody know about. And I will as soon as I can. But until then, please keep up with me on social media, at Gbrione on Instagram, at Gbrione80 on TikTok. Everything else, Twitter and Facebook is Gina Brione. Uh, the website is GinaBrionComedy.net or .com because balling. So check me, uh, check myself out there. Also, I have a podcast as well with my girlfriend, Catherine Mendoza. You can check out, which is called Mess in Progress, and it's on all the podcast platforms. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We had a blast listening to you, and I'm glad you took time out of your schedule to to have this discussion with us. This is so great. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I'm glad we had this discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I got to say, Taylor, as always, it's it's so nice when I get to meet people that you know, or vice versa, through our little podcast here uh, over Zoom. But I really appreciated uh, not only just how honest Gina was, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with some of her own struggles and, but also seeing how much she's taken uh, things like comedy to kind of be a healing tool to not only, you know, show her voice in terms of uh, things like laughter and growth, but how, you know, she kind of got a, a thicker skin and a stronger backbone through kind of finding her own uh, take on the whole image of body and how she's kind of, uh, you know, gone through a whole arc of, you know, those times where it was really on her mind and now kind of using it in her comedy and, and other things she does. So uh, she was just so much fun. And I thought she was, she was really well-spoken for a lot of things. And I thought it was great that we really had, a, you know, you and I kind of have our, our own points of view uh, being male, but having that female perspective was, uh, was really nice to have. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, uh, I'm knowing her from her comedy and, um, what she's done with her stand-up and and other projects that she's been working on, and excited to see what what comes she comes out with next. Um, but I completely agree. This episode would not have been done justice if we did not have the female perspective. But having her perspective was very enlightening. Uh, I can't speak. Was very enlightening. Was raw. Was real. And um, I was happy to have that for the episode but also for personally myself and and i believe you as well i can't speak for you i know you speak for yourself in a second but i would say yeah i think it was just really it was humbling and and beautiful to hear that and i think that other people need to hear that because again um you know everything that we talked about today is just something that um is going to be continually part of pop culture and, and entertainment and yeah, society and more particularly, I think in Western society, but it's everywhere. And I think that, you know, how we view ourselves and how we compare ourselves is an unfortunate um, human thing, but hopefully that as we kind of talked about a little bit, there is a start and hopefully a change in, you know, like you said, healthy is the new sexy, um, you know, good health. And it's not only just physical health. It's as we talked about, it's mind and body. And we have to change our, our minds before we can change everything else. I think it starts with that first, the positive thought. It's all about the being positive and not your weaknesses, but the opportunities, I would say, for growth. Yeah. And, you know, really thinking about this, this pandemic that we've all gone through, uh, you know, as you said before, I like the phrase of uh, same storm, different boats, you know, it's all affected us in different ways. Uh, No one should feel any kind of uh, shame or, you know, depression from if they have gained weight, you know, this was such a thing that no one was prepared for. We were all going through it together. You know, a lot of people either lost work or had to move and working on, you know, laptops all day. It was natural how much it changed our lives. So realistically, no one should ever look at, you know, if anything did happen to you and, you know, 
me and Taylor are right there with you. We personally both uh, gain weight, sit around and working like we did. You know, it just shows that you made it through and that's all that matters. And, you know, the fact that now we're, we're seeing those changes where people are getting vaccinated, things are opening up again. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So now it's a time to go, okay, maybe I can start moving again. You know, you've been doing these walks. I used to be doing walks. It's those little things. And sometimes I think it's those little goals as opposed to a major full goal that is so much more achievable. And I do believe, yes, there's a, a good change on the horizon for uh, more of a healthy living for both, yes, uh, physical and mental and emotionally. So um, this was just a great topic. And, you know, we, we, as much as we do like to have a lot of nerdy fun on this podcast, we like to do these funny impressions and these funny skits. You know, every now and then it is important to touch on some of these things that everyone goes through, nerds alike. And so this was a, a wonderful topic to talk about. And, you know, we, we have other things that are similar in nature that we'll probably talk about down the line. But um, just a, a great chat with Gina. I really, really enjoyed that today. Yeah. And I would say if you really took something positive from this episode, please reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear your story. And we'd love to hopefully that this um, inspired you or made you stop and think and, and think positive thoughts and, you know, make a change that's going to work for you. It's going to be healthy, positive choice. And um, I'm looking forward to to seeing more about Gina and where, where she's going to go. And I hope we have her on the, again, but it was perfect. And thanks again for, for taking the time to listen to this episode and um, you know, just, yeah, it's, uh, it's almost, it's just no words to describe the, the feeling of what we talked about today. It just is beautiful. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.